listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. If you will, please remain standing for just a moment. I'm reminded this week of how important it is to fight with truth. And this morning, I want us to all recite the Apostles' Creed again. You know, I believe there are some people here this morning that are, because of whatever circumstance, that life is hard and it is weighing on them. And there are some that are having a hard time believing and holding on. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to read this. For those that can't. So join with me in reciting the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. For there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy and universal church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. This morning in your copies of the scriptures, I want to invite you back to the book of Galatians. We're going to be beginning today in verses 6 through 10. You know, there are many decisions in life that we really want to make sure that we get right. You're young and you want to make sure you choose the the cool set of friends to to eat lunch with. You want to make sure that you you pick the right college and the, the major that you want to major in. At least you hope you get it right. That career, that's a big decision that we want to make right. We want to get that career right. Then it's those big decisions of, okay, what house do we buy? Do we build? Do we get an apartment? Do we, whatever this house, is this the house to buy? Do we sell this one? And we want to get those big purchases right. Some of you have faced big decisions about where to live, and you want to make sure that you get it just right. Oh, who to marry? I got that one right. I'm good with that. You know, we want to get it right. We wrestle with those questions. Is this the one? Is it the right time? Schooling decisions for your kids. Do we homeschool? Do we private school? Do we public school? What do do we do? And we want to get these decisions right. I mean, life is full of decisions that we feel that pressure. Some decisions, by the grace of God, you have gotten right. But I know others, you have not. And it has ended in a lot of failure and a lot of pain. And it seems oftentimes that our happiness in life is determined by making sure we get more decisions right than we do wrong. But then there's this whole thing. There's this whole thing that we call Christianity. 
And I think there's a question that many of us are asking. In fact, it's a question deep down that we really want to make sure. I mean, we really, this thing Christianity, yes, we believe it, but we really want to make sure that I get it right. And that might be why you are here this morning. You've heard the great things about Christianity. So you're here, you want to make sure you, you want to get it right. So you come to church, you sing, you give some of your money, you volunteer, you read your Bible, because really we want to get it right. But isn't that a question that we all really, we, we hope at the end of all of this that we have gotten it right? We want to make sure that we get this thing of Christianity right because we believe in the great and the innumerable and the eternal blessings and we hear about them and we just want to make sure that we get it right. In fact, we can even set up things for ourselves. We can set up lists of things that, man, we know we need to be doing these things and because we desperately, we want to get this Christianity thing right. Because we know there is a lot at stake. And we just want to make sure that we get it right. Well, the good news is, is that Galatians helps us answer that question. Are we getting it right? So last week we began in chapter 1, verse 1. I think we made it through verse 5. At least I hope that we did. And we saw that there is this huge difference in Galatians, than all of other Paul's letters. Paul begins every letter that he writes with a, a great greeting, but every letter but Galatians, they get a word of thanksgiving. But oh, not Galatians. I mean, even the church of Corinth, who is absolutely messed up. I mean, they're so strange, they're even getting drunk at communion. But Paul has time to write, Saints, brothers, and he's gentle, and he's pastoral, and he is thankful for them, but not Galatians. Paul has no time for this word of thanksgiving because Paul knows what's at stake. You see, the Corinthians, they, they were struggling with their Christian walk, but those in Galatia, they were struggling with who Christ was. And Paul had no time for thanksgiving because eternity was at stake for those in Galatia. And I mean, Paul is in full battle mode because if we get this wrong about who Christ is, our eternity is at stake. We must Get this right. And I think we feel that pressure. So let's go to Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. And we'll pick up with Paul. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so Paul, he says, he's astonished or he's amazed. 
And it's like that parent's reaction when you just tell a kid, don't do something. What do they do? They turn around and do that exact thing you told them not to. You know, it's the head in the forehead going, what is wrong with you? And he's astonished. He says, I can't believe you. But look at what he is so astonished about. That they are so quickly deserting him who called them. And this deserting is a military term that means to change sides or to change allegiance. So the church in Galatia, they weren't just being unsure. They weren't just being wishy-washing on, you know, we're not really sure about this thing. What do we do here? No, he says that they were deserting. They were transferring their allegiance from one side to another. In fact, says you have turned to the enemy. Now, reading this, I'm thinking, I've read this before. I have somewhere, I know this has happened. And it's that story in Exodus 32 that we may know pretty well. And it's that story of the golden calf. Well, it's not really a story, it was true. And so, it's just, remember, so you've got children, the children of Israel. And God chooses them, not because they're great, not that they even have a lot to offer, but he says he chooses them. Not because they're a great number, but by his own good pleasure. By grace, he chooses Israel, and he is merciful on them, and he delivers them from slavery. He leads them through, remember, the pillars of fire that lead them and guide them. He protects them with the parting of the Red Sea. They're hungry. He provides them manna from heaven each and every day. He speaks to them, and he leads them through his law. He even makes a covenant with these people. So Moses goes up on the mountain, he's to hear from God, and the people begin to get worried. And it says that they go to Aaron, they begin complaining. Said, Aaron, we, we need our safety net. Man, we need what we're comfortable with. We need an idol. So he gathers the gold, and he throws it in the fire, and it says that he fashioned a calf. Remember what he tells Moses? He says, man, I don't know. I threw that stuff in the fire, and out came this calf. I don't know what happened. But they were so quickly deserting all that had happened to them. And Paul is astonished that these people in Galatia are so quickly deserting. But how did that happen? How did this deserting, did did it just happen? Or what were the circumstances? Well, you can go to Acts 13 and 14. And next week, over the next two weeks, we're going to get a lot more of the history. So for you history people, you'll enjoy that. But in Acts 13 and 14, the, the gospel is spreading. Gentiles, they're, they're coming to faith. And the Jews, they're losing their minds. Because a Gentile is coming to faith just as they were. And the Jews were saying, no, there's something wrong with this picture. There's so much more that they're not doing. So a group of devout Jews, they leave Jerusalem, they pack their donkeys, they get all their supplies, and they they begin making a trek north. They come into some churches that Paul has established. Jews would come into a church, I imagine, something like this. They'd look around and say, wow, you have a really nice church here. But you're just missing a, a couple of things. You know, and it's totally understandable, but hey, good news, we're here from Jerusalem, we're here to help. And there is a good chance, you know what, that you're going to be okay. Now, we know Paul's been here, you know, Paul means well, but really, 
He, there are some things that I don't. It, it, Paul's just not really a true apostle. In fact, he didn't even know one. He means well, but he, we hate to say this, but Paul kind of has a past. You know, we're not here to really spread rumors, but he used to kill Christians. And so he, so we're here, we're here to help you because he left out a few things. You know, he, he talks a lot about Jesus and but you know, he's really never met him. And but hey, we we love Jesus too. And he's a great teacher. In fact, he's one of our most beloved and respected rabbis. But here's what Paul left out. Yes, we believe in Jesus, but on the back table, we have furnished at you at no cost a copy of the Torah. You're a little behind, but you need to start memorizing now. When you get down the road, and guess what? We have brought our most gentle moil here to perform circumcision on the men starting at 2 in the afternoon. But listen, it's not as bad as you think. You'll be okay. But you know what? We even brought our tailors. Because your clothes, and they just, they need a little work. We also brought along a few dietitians because of what you eat and what you don't eat. It is really important that you get this right. But the good news is this, is that really, there really is a good chance for you, Galatians. God loves you, we believe that, and if you work really hard, you can feel his love, and really, you'll become a real Christian. And we know that you really want to get this Christian thing right. But there are things that Christians do and things that Christians don't do, and we are just here to help. But we want you to know, it's going to be a lot of hard work. Some of you have a hard time memorizing. Some of you are a little attached for your clothes. Some of you are not going to be able to, you know, to give up that pork tenderloin. But remember, if you work really hard, it's going to be a lot of sacrifice. Remember, I mean, Jesus, the one that you say you love, remember, he endured the cross for you. So you know what? You can endure this. And over time, if you work hard enough, you'll be ready and you'll be worthy. Imagine it was something like that that they were hearing and they were coming in behind Paul. But I'm thinking, man, we're not often really too far from that. I know it's hard to believe this, but there was a time I had long hair. I change kind of often, but it's been a while, so don't worry. But I remember I, I as a kid... And, I had really long hair. I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus had nothing on my mullet. Not lying. But I can remember a man stopping my dad, pointing to my hair and saying, you know, Brother Bill, that was my dad. Jesus died on the cross for him. The least he can do is get a haircut. I was telling a friend that. And he's like, no, you're not going to believe this. I heard a man say one time, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. The least you can do is wear a tie. So and often we're not really far off because we love to use morality to measure spiritual sincerity. We like to use our morality to make sure that we get this Christian thing right. But I want you to notice what they are actually deserting. Notice what it says. It says, you are deserting him who called you in the grace of of Christ. 
So to leave, leave the truth of the gospel is to leave God himself. You're not just leaving some philosophy about life. You're leaving a person. And it says God himself who called you by grace into a relationship with him. And Paul says that is what you're deserting. But this is, this is why Paul is so worked up. In fact, one author said it's like Paul is an erupting volcano. It's because these young believers in Galatia are like children to Paul. He loves and he cares for them and it grieves him that someone has come in behind him and leading them away. But Paul's not going to give up on them. He is writing to them to win them back. So here's the problem. And here's the problem that was, that what was really what was coming from it. It says that they were distorting the gospel. But it's just, it's just a small little tweak. I mean, the Jews, you know what they would affirm? They would affirm Jesus as a good teacher and a rabbi. Both sides saying, yes, we got that one. The Jews, they, they would affirm Jesus even as the Son of God. They even affirmed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And man, everything seems the same. But the difference is this. The difference is not the work of Christ. They're not debating that but how the benefits become ours. And the Jews, the Jews were adding their own works, the things I can do to the finished work of Christ. They were saying that in order for the benefits of Jesus, the orders of the resurrection, resurrection Christ to be yours, there are just some things you have to do first. And if you try hard enough, the good news is you'll get there. The Judaizers they wanted to make sure that everyone around them got this Christian thing right. And they would say, the way to get it right is by externally keeping the law, their morality. That is how you get it right. The big question is this, is always, how do the benefits of Jesus, how do the benefits of his life, his death, and his resurrection, how do they come to sinners. Well, we might ask the question, how does a person, or what does a person need to do to be saved? And so Paul is fighting. Paul is fighting for the truth that says a person is made right and reconciled or justified not by externally doing anything, not by externally keeping the law or even their morality but only through the finished work of Christ. But those coming after Paul, they were saying, yes, Jesus, of course, Jesus. But there's also some things you need to do to make sure it takes. So Paul's going to take it a step further. Look at verse 8. But if we, meaning myself, my entourage, we, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed. Accursed is the word anathema. It means nothing less than to suffer the eternal retribution and the judgment of God. 
He's saying, let them be condemned to hell for teaching a gospel different than what we taught. I mean, Martin Luther, when he's reading through this, he gets to this part and he says, it says that Paul is breathing fire. And his zeal is so fervent that he almost begins to cuss the angels himself. This is how important Paul knows it is to get this right. And he's showing that the gospel cannot be changed to add anything of our own. It's to imply that the finished work of Christ was not enough. It was unsatisfactory and that men, we need to somehow improve on what Jesus Christ did. And Paul, he is furious because he knows that if someone from ancient Galatia to modern day White House, he knows if anyone is trusting in anything other than the work of Christ, they are headed to an eternity completely separated from God. But Paul's going to say it again. Look at verse 9. As we have said before, so now I, I will say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. He went from saying we to now saying I. If anyone. Doesn't matter who they are, who they claim to be, who they know, the preaching circuit they might be on, or what church they lead. If anyone preaches a gospel, man, in the least, let them come under God's eternal judgment. I mean, Paul is so serious here because he knows what is at stake. And if we are wrong, About this. Paul knows this. He is so serious about it. And if we're wrong about this, in any way, Paul says, our eternity is at stake. Paul says, we must get this right. Because if the gospel message in any way or any form is corrupted, tainted, or changed in any way, then people are in danger of being eternally lost. So look at Paul's conclusion. He's laying this all out, and then he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see what the Jews were doing. They were smart. They were crafty. They were accusing Paul of coming into these churches and trying to win their approval. The problem, they were saying something maybe like this, is that, listen, Paul means well, but he's not giving you the entire truth. He's leaving out some some important things like the law and, and circumcision because he doesn't want to offend you, but rather he really wants to earn your favor. And Paul, he's just about more, more clicks on the board or whatever it might be because he just wants to be the one that is getting more salvations. And that's really what Paul's after. But the problem is that the Jews were saying, or trying to say, that Paul really doesn't have a high view of the law. You know, if he did, he would let you know about it. If Paul had a high view of the law, 
then Paul would make sure that you knew everything about the law, but he doesn't talk about it much. He's all about this grace, and we are too. But Paul just doesn't respect the law like we do. But in reality, these Judaizers had a much lower view of the law. You see what they'd done? They'd created a system. They'd created a system that allowed them to reach the law. But Paul... He has such a high view of the law. He knows there is nothing he can do to ever reach it. But then he sees that only Christ could. So Paul knows this is not setting well with people. He knows they're uncomfortable. He thinks they're being confused. He knows they don't like what they're hearing. They were thinking, man, can't we we just all get along But Paul says that he must speak this truth because of what's at stake and because Paul is not looking for the approval of people but of God's. So Paul's speaking for and by God that the gospel cannot be changed and he is unapologetic about it. But Paul, he is so passionate about this because Paul knows what's at stake. Paul knows that how we receive the benefits of Christ... It's something that we must get right. Because if we get it wrong, we could be eternally lost. Paul is saying this. Paul is saying that a person, any person, is made right with God. A person is reconciled with Him. A person is accepted based on nothing that the sinner does, did, or could do but only in trusting in the finished work of Christ. We must get this right. The Judaizers, they were saying, yes, Jesus, He is necessary. We're not debating that. But you must also do your part. You must work with Jesus to make your justification possible. He works and you help. He started, now you complete it. Jesus began the work, now bring it home. And if you work hard enough, if you improve enough, man, there is some hope for you. But we can sometimes not be far off from what the Jews thought and taught. We ask the question, what do you have to do to be saved? What makes a person right with God? How does a person obtain eternal life? And we'd say, well, I walked down that aisle during that invitation. That must have saved me. You know what? I got into this thing of water and I let some guy hold me under and I was baptized. I know that must have saved me. Or you know what? If you pray this prayer and If you really mean it, it may take you a few times, but if you really mean it, it gets you there. Or you know what? All you need to do, you just need to ask Jesus to come and live in your heart and listen to me. If we are trusting in any of that for salvation, we're wrong. We must get this right. A person is made right with God, reconciled, forgiven, and justified only by trusting in the finished work of Christ. Nothing that we do. Because I know this. Everyone in heaven is going to be aware of one thing. 
Everyone there will be aware that we have no claim to be there on our own. It will all be because of the finished work of Christ and nothing of our own. And so the gospel, it is good news for sinners. And it's not believe in Jesus and do as I do. That's not good news at all. Works do matter. But works are always a result of faith, not the basis for it. And I love how Martin Luther said it. He says morality. You know what? Morality can keep you out of jail. But it will never keep you out of hell. You and I need something far greater than our own morality. We need perfect righteousness. And Christ is the only one who can give that. Richard Lovelace, looking and working through this passage, he says, you know what, we're not saved by the love we exercise, but by the love we trust. There is no other gospel. The gospel of Christ, it really is an all or nothing. To change it, to alter it, to manipulate it in any way, Paul says, that creates a false gospel. You know, and I remember growing up. Great family, great church. But I remember thinking that it was the good Christian things I did and staying away from enough bad worldly things that that's what made me acceptable In God's eyes. Yes, I knew Jesus was necessary. I knew that without him, I was lost. But if God was really, if he was really serious about accepting me, then I had to do my part too. I I felt like I had to prove to God that I wanted him. But finally, finally, I heard the real gospel. I heard a gospel that was not in any way or any form or fashion associated with my works. That it was was God looked from eternity past and he said, Mark, Mark Kirkendall, him. I want him. He is mine and I will be his. Yes, I know. I know he's messed up. I know he has a heart that will wander from me. I know that he is fallen and sinful, but I will do anything to have him. And I remember when it happened. I remember thinking that he was everything in that, that God was going to do anything to have me. And it had nothing to do with me and what I would do. That God was even willing to give his son to have me. And that's a love that I'll never be able to fathom. Because what the cross does, it shows us how far God was willing to go to have me. And that's the gospel. That is the good news. So the gospel says that a person is justified, they are made right, they are reconciled with God based on the finished work of Christ, not our own work. But there... There are a lot of good people, and their morality is spotless, but they don't know Jesus. And I say, who cares? Morality has never and never will save a person from hell. 
But here is the truth. You and I, we will never get this Christian thing right. You can attend every worship service we ever have. You could give your entire salary away. You could attend every Bible study every day of the week. You could travel across the globe on mission trips. You could even memorize the the whole Bible. But it will not move the needle on God's acceptance of you one inch. But Jesus, he did. He, He did get this Christian thing right. And your acceptance before God is not based on how well you are doing. It's based on how perfect Christ was. And Paul is so passionate about it because he says that is the gospel. And people are wanting to come in and they're wanting to lead you astray to make you think that in somehow, some way, it is also up to you. And Paul says, let them be damned to hell for teaching you that. The gospel is the only way that a person is accepted before God and made right and reconciled is on the finished work of Christ. And we simply are to trust in that and nothing of our own. So the question that I would ask is, what are you trusting in? Are you worried about making sure you get this Christian thing right and you're setting up all these things that you must do? They're only going to leave you in failure because the only thing that makes you acceptable is the finished work of Christ. Let me pray. Father, this morning it is so plain to us that how quickly we can be led away from the truth of the gospel. Because in reality, we love our morality. We love to think how well we are doing and how good we are, especially when we can hold it up against someone else that makes us feel better. Father, take the truth that the only way we are accepted before you is the finished work of your Son and nothing else. So, Father, I pray that this morning that there has been some dead people come to life because of the truth. For those of us that have been struggling and looking for your acceptance, that we would find it this morning and knowing there is nothing we could do to make you accept us anymore. It is only in the finished work of Christ. And so, Father, we would pray this morning that we only know we can get this right because of Him. Father, thank you for the truth. Would you dive it deep, drive it deep into our hearts? It is in the name of your Son that we ask all of these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.